and welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are brought to you, as always, by ProgressiveChristianity.org, a wonderful organization where you can go and find all kinds of incredible resources. I hope that you will follow ProgressiveChristianity.org on social media, that you will follow the Moonshine Jesus Show on Facebook, and that you'll subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we are talking about Nope. And we will have some spoilers, but it's been out since 2022. Yeah. We've had some time to watch it, so don't be too upset if you get spoilers <laughs> along the way. Hey, I am joined, as always, by my buddy Mark Sandlin. How are you doing today, Mark? Doing great. How are you, Caleb? I am doing fantastic, nice, especially since nice. I get to talk about pop culture and theology and Jordan Peele's Nope, and that I get to drink with you oh, that is yes. always the highlight of my week drinking with Me you too. mark Same <laughs> so here, what, Same here. what is it that you're drinking today well one of the storylines of this is uh that the family that's the main uh, family in the story are descendants of the first black man ever on film who also was the first person ever on film and the real history while they name them in the show the real history is that uh no one ever bothered to name, find, know that person's name or research it before that information was lost. Well, when that when their father, a descendant in the storyline of them, passes away, they're back in their living room and they both have a nice, neat glass of bourbon uh, mm -hmm. to toast their father. And so I thought I would have a nice, neat glass of bourbon and toast all the you know uh, people of color, the black and brown folks who have, were originally in Hollywood whose stories have been lost. Uh, so I, I'm I'm ready to toast it to them in their memory. How about you, sir? What are you doing? I love that. I love that. So um, uh, Emerald, who's one of the main characters yeah. here, yeah. she um, there's a scene where they are trying to catch uh, the jean jacket, the alien that is up in the sky on video, and one of the videos one of the video cameras has a praying mantis on it, and yes. in order to try and get the praying mantis off. She throws Sour Patch Kids at right. the Praying Mantis. And so <laughs> yeah. I was inspired by that scene in the movie, and uh, I have it. made a Sour Patch Kids martini. So it huh. is one part vodka, one part blue curacao, one part Sour Patch Kids infused moonshine, one part lemon juice and some simple syrup. And here it is. It's in this kind oh, of death skull. I like it. Skull. Yeah. So you can see it's like and it. you can see that this one little yes. sour patch kid is getting sucked up <laughs> as, as if it is Perfect. getting sucked up to, Perfect. Uh, to the Yawain. Yes. So uh, cheers, absolutely. Mark. Cheers, sir. And catch y'all on the other side. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for our Geek Out segment, where uh, Caleb and I will commence to geek out about the film. Just for a little bit, though, we know that we want to move on pretty quickly so we can get to our Theo Politico segment and talk about some of the issues that the film points to uh, and have a little discussion about those. For those of you uh, like 
like Caleb said, we are talking about Nope. For those of you who may not be initiated, there will be spoilers. But a little background. Nope is a um, a uh, science fiction, horror, suspense, western, sometimes mm. satire film. Nothing like mm-hmm. uh, not doing too much all at once. Right? <laughs> and, and, and it's about a, uh, a horse wrangling family who's descendants of the original person on the very first film and who was riding a horse and they now are horse wranglers and they discover something spooky hovering in a cloud near the family's ranch and so they they bring in the help of a a filmmaker and a local guy from a big box electronic store to try to capture evidence of the uh as we now know the unidentified aerial phenomenon which turns out to be a flying carnivorous monster Mm. and as one might expect all hell breaks loose. The cool thing is, though, throughout the film, Peel, uh, the director, he pointedly addresses issues as diverse as race and ecology and exploration and and and, and, and Hollywood, just, just to name a few. Um, so, Caleb. Yeah. Film opens with a scene involving a murderous chip, chimp. Monkey. Yes. Yes. What were your first thoughts when you saw that? <laughs> well, uh, whenever I first saw the murderous chimp, I thought, and then we, and then, okay, so that's the opening scene. Then we cut to like the, the horse farm and stuff. I thought, yeah, what does this have to do with anything? And um, it took me right. a, a while. I mean, we come back to it later in the film yeah. and they, they tie it all together. But I, I, I thought, what what is going on here? <laughs> why why is there a murderous chip? And and it was clearly at so at like you could hear the audience laughing and stuff. So it was clear that right. it was on a set of something. Right. And uh, it, it took it took quite a while to uh, to get back around to that. So uh, I you know it was it was interesting and it I had no idea what to make of it for a, quite a while. How about you? What was what your was, impression of it? What was interesting to me was. Yeah. So this week was my second time watching this. Mm-hmm. I watched it when it first came out. Yeah. And I have to tell you, uh, and now acknowledging that we've watched hundreds and yep. hundreds of hours of sci-fi between the time yes. I watched it and, yep. and now, but I started it and I'm looking at it going, did, did I start the wrong film? Uh, <laughs> what was that? I, was like, I don't, I don't remember <laughs> what. And then very slowly, I started putting the pieces back. Going, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But even having yeah. having having watched it, my immediate yeah. was like, "What is this? Why why am I seeing this? This doesn't." So I thought it was really interesting that um, he chose to 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 start the movie like mm-hmm. that. Um, so, which makes me wonder. Um, yeah. And I'm going to come back to just your overall feeling about it. So, yeah. what did you think about Jupe in the movie or Jupy in the movie? Um, what did he bring to the storyline? Because Obviously, it was somewhat forgettable for me in terms of yeah, the horror right. of his childhood. Um, so it made me immediately think, well, so what was the the value of bringing that in? Yeah, so, you know, I think it, the, the way I, I think maybe this is something it, one of the ways that the film suffers is perhaps trying to do too much. I mean, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the one of the things that Peel is trying to do is make a commentary on spectacle. So he's been quoted as saying yeah. that uh, that this is a, this is 
a spectacle. The film's about spectacle. And um, he he's talking about, I think, in part, why why Jupe is is using spectacle. Um, I I was confused as to why Jupe didn't learn his lesson after seeing right. a chimp go crazy wild on set. Uh, why he then wanted to try to make a spectacle like out of this this carnivorous alien, you know? Um, I thought I thought maybe what it was with that was that yeah. he ultimately. I don't want to say tamed, but he confronted the wild animal and was okay. He he ended up being okay. Yeah. I don't know that he recognized, and it was part of the setup for the rest of the show, yeah. recognized that part of the reason he was okay because he was hiding under a table, and there was a tablecloth that just did cover his eyes. And so he uh -huh. wasn't looking into the eyes of the mad, crazy animal, and so yeah. he was able to make contact. And I think Part of what's setting up his character is that this is this person who thinks that now I can have this relationship with these uncontrollable animals, but he didn't realize what it really was about. But it also sets up the discovery of OJ later of don't look the giant sky monster in the eye uh, because yeah. it's territorial and it will see it as a threat. So I think for me, part of what I thought might be going on. I think that makes sense. It's like a psychological exploration. Like he he didn't receive a psychological uh, closure to that yeah. uh, that horrific event, and so he's mm -hmm. like trying to bring closure by being able yeah. to develop control over the animal. And I think it's worth noting. I think that you know that the that Gordy attack is at six thirteen. Uh, and then yeah. the, every night it's at 613 it's at six. that he tamed There's, the the animal. There was a lot of sixes in this movie. I don't know what hmm. Jordan's point was. I I, hmm. I I would have to go back and find them. But I think I've counted yeah. five different times that six was uh -huh. very significant in the movie. I, hmm. who, who knows? I mean, even the, the uh, scripture that was quoted at the very beginning of the movie came from chapter six, I think, or was it verse I, six? It was, it was, it was chap Nahum chapter three, verse six. Verse six. Yeah. Yeah. So there was yeah, lots yeah. of sixes. There was something going on with that. I, I don't know. So I, I'll back yeah. up now. So I, I am yeah. curious, uh, what was your mm -hmm. overall thoughts about the movie? So I, I liked the movie. Um, yeah. I do think it was maybe do, trying to make a little too many commentaries and uh, mm -hmm. i i think that ultimately that kind of i think ultimately it kind of hurt the film um i i don't know that it was as strong as other jordan peele yeah. films that i've seen um but it was it it was a good movie and it you know it uh, did i think make us think about our relationship with with nature and the cosmos and I, and race and all, but I think generally we were trying to do a whole lot of things, and that maybe left us unable to do yeah. uh, anything super well. Uh, how about yeah. you? What do you think about it? I, that's exactly what I thought the first time I saw it. The hmm. second time through, I started seeing this really big commentary on on. Hollywood and on spectacle mm -hmm. and on our mm -hmm. our need to uh, how Hollywood uses people and abuses people, which with the strike that's going on, I thought was very uh, significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That right mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, saw, I saw a big commentary on that. I saw a commentary on pe people's willingness to sacrifice their in all kinds of things, even their own life, for 
uh, capturing on film just the right thing or capturing the spectacle mm -hmm. and kind of a, a commentary on how society has dr driven us to the point that we're willing to sacrifice almost anything for stuff that really isn't as important as a person's life or livelihood or even quality of life. So I, for, for me, I, I picked up on a little bit more of that and on reflection thought, and it ultimately mm. it's like this big commentary on capitalism because the reason why people are willing to sacrifice, think about it. And I thought this was a little bit of a brilliant move. I'm not sure that in this kind of movie before I have ever seen folks who uh, realize that, 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 that they've discovered something sort of horrifying I don't know that I've ever yeah. seen them instantly move to how can we monetize this? Um, mm. You know, it, it, usually yeah. it's fear and run and, you know, how do we escape? And But this immediately was what gets them in trouble is how do we monetize this? Because you could have easily said, well, this is messed up. Let's get in the car and leave and let people know about it. So someone figures this stuff out. But their thought yeah. was, hmm. how do we monetize this? I mean, yeah. what do you think about that turn that he took? Is that... Um, I like that. I like that. And I didn't look at it in that way, but I, I like that in terms of the writer's strike that's happened, you know, since mm -hmm. that, since that movie that it had. Yeah, and still actor strike in particular. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a good point. And uh, certainly a commentary that our society needs to hear, because that is something that we do as a society is often think about how we monetize and uh, yeah, often at the expense of others. So yeah, that's a that's a good point, Mark. I hadn't seen it in quite that. And so that one hit me this past time, and that's part yeah. of what led me into saying, in a lot of ways, this is this is a commentary on capitalism, and we won't get into that mm -hmm. uh, right now or anything. But it, yeah. I found that fascinating that the first time through, mm -hmm. I didn't catch that. Um, I liked the movie better the second time through than I did the yeah. first time. Um, I yeah. found the first time I thought it was a little slow paced. I think some mm -hmm. of the things actually went over my head. I don't know if I was just distracted with what was going on. I didn't catch some of the commentary that he was, that, which is weird because some of it's just so over your head. It's almost like you could have been a little more subtle about that. We might have, might have, might have had more fun discovering it. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that's one of the fun things about Jordan Peele movies, though, is that yeah. you, like it, they're more fun to watch. Uh, you know, the second, mm -hmm. third, or fourth time because you yeah. know that it's layered with complexity. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's been so successful is because uh, he he is, you know, using uh, these mediums as a device to talk about things that are going on in our society, which as we've talked about time and time again is, you know, when sci-fi fantasy stuff is at yeah. its best, that's exactly what it's doing is it. helping us to understand yeah. things. And so to go back and to say, you know what? I really miss that the first time. And it's kind of fun to, to go and do that yeah. because a lot it, of movies are simplistic. And it's, it's, it's yeah, it, it's great when you can go back and realize that there were those layers that you missed. And, and I think he is one of the best that there is right now at using the genre is different. You know, this kind of, he, he's kind of created his own, he's, there's some Spielbergish kind of stuff going on. This is almost like Jaws in the Sky kind of thing going on. Mm -hmm. But he also, is, he's kind of created his own thing. Like, sure, yeah. he draws from that, but he draws some swamp thing. He draws from lots mm -hmm, of areas, mm -hmm. and he creates even his own genre and his own mm -hmm. film style, which is sort of brilliant. Um, so one of the things that he says, and this is, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up this segment on this. One of the things that he has been quoted as saying is that, uh, quote, humanity is the monster in my films. Do you think that's the case in Nope? Because I think that quote came out before he did Nope. 
You know, um, I, I, I'm not sure that's the commentary that he ends up making. If, if yeah. it is, um, I mean, maybe if your, maybe if your thesis that the um, that it's about capitalism, the evils of right. capitalism is correct, that, then maybe. But uh, but I think that it ends up being a film that is more a struggle of um, our relationship with. Um, with with nature and creatures and uh our our desire to dominate i think that's i think that's what ends up being uh the mm -hmm. main thrust of the film um whether he intends it or not i i think that's the way that that at least it, it i experienced it on my first go round of it yeah that I, i'm i'm not sure it's humanity that yeah that yeah i, I thought it wasn't at first the more i thought about yeah. it again because i write a yeah. conclusion that i be, i'm beginning to believe that this is very is much about capitalism and i think it's even beyond that i think it is about the way that capitalism pushes us to a willingness to uh, exploit people animals Econ uh, ecology mm -hmm. and all of that mm -hmm. and if that is what is going on here and, and it's at least part of it's definitely at least part of what's going on here i would say yeah that humanity uh it and not individual humans necessarily but humanity yeah. in general mm -hmm. at least is part of the monster of what creates horror because the fact is that the 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 unidentified aerial phenomenon is scary yeah. But it wasn't yeah. dangerous and ex until people started trying to exploit it. Yeah, it, it was a little dangerous. There were people Fair enough. disappearing. Yeah. Yeah. There were people disappearing. But as soon as Juke and as soon as the family started trying to uh, exploit it, Juke in bringing people in and trying to control the monster and show the monster to them, yeah. and them and trying to capture it, that's when the danger actually happens. And so you have to ask yourself, what created the danger? Humans you trying know to exploit that's a good point because uh it's also the case that any of these people could have left at any time and they chose mm -hmm. not to um they yeah. did choose to exploit so i i think i like that mark i think i like this being about capitalism i think that's a good understanding of it i appreciate that i don't know we'll see who knows i i was about to say we'll see but i i think that he's probably moved on to his next movie and isn't going to be making a lot of commentary on it so there's one theory that we can put out there, but we've got other deeper subjects that we need to move on to in our theopolitical segment. So uh, we're going to take a quick drop and we'll be back with you on the other side. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we're talking about Jordan Peele's Nope. We are moving into our Theopolitico segment, where we are talking about the theology and politics of Nope. So, Mark, as we discussed in the last segment, there is a yeah. lot here that we can really so talk about. And uh, let's see if we can cover a few of them. Okay. Uh, I want to start with Nahum chapter 3, verse 6. Oh, okay. Up. Okay, and so for those who haven't seen the film, the quote is, I will throw filth at you and treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. Okay, so that's uh, the, the quote that Jordan Peele chooses to open this movie with. Um, 
We've talked about that last word, spectacle. I'm going to make you a spectacle. So in the context of the biblical passage, it is Nineveh who is being punished by God for their actions, for turning against God. I'm curious, Mark, why do you think he chose that particular verse to frame the whole film? Maybe this film is a judgment on humanity. Maybe it is the image of the uh, sky monster throwing all that stuff that ultimately killed their dad is the throwing all kinds of trash. Uh, And it is the judgment of he as filmmaker on uh, our need for spectacle and how our world is revolving around it. I don't know. That, that'd be my, my gut instinct because I remembered reading it, but I didn't remember, I didn't go back to re-see what the actual text was. Yeah, I I like that. I, I think that's insightful. I think that, yeah, that humanity uh, is guilty of, uh, of a lot of these, a lot of these things. And I, I, like the fact, I think that, uh, that Peel is saying that, hey, humanity, um, these things that you're doing are ultimately terrible for the future of humanity. Yeah. And, um, and we have to come to terms with that. You're making a spectacle of yourselves, uh, mm. human beings, by being so concerned right. <laughs> with money and profit and all of these other things that, that you are making uh, a spectacle of yourself. And I think, you know, ultimately in the Hebrew Bible, I think that's uh, the story. Uh, the, the story of Nineveh, I think, is an interesting one, especially if we, if we look to like... Um, to the story of Jonah and him trying to warn Nineveh uh, about, uh, about uh, God's judgment. I think that's, that's interesting. So I just thought that was a fascinating uh, quote. It really was. And I I like your explanation of that. So Mark, I'm curious. um, At various points throughout the film, we hear OJ in particular say, Nope. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Uh, nope. Uh, that's not going to happen. So, um, this is going to come as a shock to you, Mark, but there are lots of troubling Christian theological concepts. I know, I know that's shocking for you. What? No, Christian, Christianity, man, that's, I, I take offense to that. I mean, Christianity. (laughs) I knew you would. There's no, no, wait, no, there's no troubling concepts. There are lots of troubling concepts. So I'm wondering, Mark, yeah. uh, uh, are, are there any particular theological concepts in Christianity to which you just say, nope? <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the ones that I just say nope to now, I won't even engage in the conversation, is when any any person is trying to use biblical text to exclude anyone, but particularly LGBTQ mm-hmm. folks. Um, yeah. I am tired of that argument. I am tired of tr- going back and forth on that. Th- there isn't an argument here, at least not biblically. There's not an argument. Uh, in terms of what Christians are supposed to be yeah. and who they're supposed to be, um, there's no argument for intentionally doing something that marginalizes other people. Um that's a nope for me. I won't even go there. I'm, we're not going to have that conversation. And if you try to force it on me, I will walk away. 
I will shut my computer down. I'll turn on my heel and say, nice to talk to you and leave. It's, it's that's a, a, a limit for me. I, I'm done with that. I've done 20 years of that argument and trying to engage it and realizing the senselessness of it and, and how absolutely it doesn't match up to anything we're supposed to be about. How about, how about for you? What are, what are your notes? There are a lot of nopes, but yeah. I, I think I'd go with, with the hell thing. I, I'm mm -mm. tired of Christians saying that all people are going to hell, particularly that they're going to hell if they don't believe in Jesus. I, right. I'm just, I'm tired of that conversation. And it's just based on a complete misunderstanding of Jesus's teaching. Right. You know, Jesus yeah. was, was a Middle Eastern Jewish peasant uh, who didn't, probably believe in an afterlife you know uh jews at the time geo maybe believe in after uh, yeah yeah but, yeah maybe but that was that's just a place where everyone went maybe we don't know yeah right right and so uh <laughs> he certainly didn't believe in like a fiery pit with a devil no, right gehenna right. was like a a, a literal trashy when he's talking yeah yeah so I'm, heap outside I, where they burnt their trash come on that's right that's right <laughs> so that's where we should send the theology right. about hell absolutely is to gehenna to I get think burned that's perfect. <laughs> yeah that's Absolutely. right so, that's so i am tired of christians saying hey you either believe my way or you're going to hell that is yeah. a nope for me 100%. um okay so um mark one of the questions that oj asks is yeah. what's a bad miracle called he said uh you know there the, his dad uh died yeah. by a bad miracle something that was inexplicable but inexplicably bad uh mark do you have a name for those things <laughs> that are bad miracles that are just inexplicable and bad well you see you you got me kind of cornered here because I don't believe in specific miracles, good or bad. I mean, it, I'm with Einstein. Either everything's a miracle or nothing's a miracle. Um, mm. And so I, I, at least in terms of what the folks who, who would say a bad miracle. Um, mm. See, it's hard because if you put yourself in their mindset, they're basically most of the time they're talking about judgment almost because mm -hmm. miracles happen yeah. to the right people for the right reasons who were earnest enough yeah. and prayed enough and were religious enough and that kind of thing. So you, they, they would imply that a person who has a bad miracle must be you know, doing things wrong and that there is some type of judgment involved in it. So for, for me, it's just the whole, the, uh, the whole concept of miracle um, creates a, a providence of God that I am not okay with. And, yeah. and, and, and have have to constantly fight against thinking of anything as a miracle or, or those who are trying to yeah. claim that something's uh -huh. a miracle. So I don't really have a great answer because just the concept at, in general is something that I, I don't like in terms of how it fits into theology and what it says about what uh, the providence of God yeah. would have to be to pick and choose to give some good miracles to some people and bad miracles to some people and no miracles to other people. That's I, I that I'll put it this way. If that's true, that's not a God I want to worship. I like that. Yeah. So I think um I think like bad miracles. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I also don't believe in these kind of miraculous things sure. that happen. And I think it's a, a misunderstanding of uh yeah, Jesus absolutely. in the biblical text. Uh but um 
I do think that most of the bad miracles that happen in society, like societal ills and things, are things that we have some control over that are not actually bad miracles at all. Like, sure. you know, why are some people born in extreme poverty? Well, because we have, as human beings, have not bothered to uh, do the necessary policy change to ensure that these kinds of folks are, are not are not born into societies like right. this. We, we have, I think, uh, the power and responsibility to be implementing systemic change so that nobody dies from preventable illnesses anymore. Absolutely. Uh, so that everyone has enough food to eat. There is enough food in the world. We just hoard it. We don't share yep. it. And, and so I think that a lot of the bad miracles that happen in our world are actually really preventable things that are caused by, you know, our own human hubris and, and bad judgment. 100%. Yeah, 100%. So while we're talking about bad miracles, it got me thinking yeah. about plagues, Mark. And, uh, ah. <laughs> um, you know, as I one does, as one does, you know, uh, <laughs> but uh, I was particularly struck by the scene in the film where yeah. it rains blood on oh, yeah. the house, right? So yeah. Jean Jacket, as we come to know this monster alien, is uh, above the house trying to get uh, trying to get uh, M and the fries guy, Angel, to right. come out of the right. house. And uh, as a part of that, is raining down blood on the house. Uh, what do you think that's about, Mark? Can you draw any <laughs> conclusions from that? Well, there's there's certainly spiritual implications of religions, uh, where they would put people in a pit and put a bull over top of the pit and cut the bull to have blood run over them, which is where Christianity gets it's washed in the blood language, and there is a certain deeper cleansing that goes on there. And I wondered about that as the sh in the show, but I was having a hard time seeing that that was any kind of a cleansing at all. Um, it's one of the moments where I thought maybe me being a, a, a theologian of any sort is working against me because I wasn't sure that this was meant to be theological in any way whatsoever, more than just kind of frightening. And what's a horror movie without a lot of good, you know, a, a, good <laughs> a lot blood of blood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we opened with it. And so we needed one somewhere near the end of it as well. So I don't know. Uh, did you read more into it than that? I think I did. I mean, raining blood is scary always, I but uh, I did actually think of the plagues and God, yeah. uh, you know, filling the. I was thinking sure. about the Exodus story and the, the okay. rivers of blood. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking about this, this kind of godlike creature imposing this, this plague on, mm. on humanity. And so I think it's also important to note that whenever we hey. read, what? Maybe, maybe, maybe you, you putting the, the, the jean jacket as a godlike creature, maybe it was the godlike creature going back to our original verse, uh, raining down judgment on humanity uh, oh, for their need for spectacle. For their need for spectacle. I like yeah. that, Mark. I you like just you, tied I that like, up in a nice, neat little bow for us. You're the one that laid the stones, man. I just followed them. <laughs> hey, hey, I like that. If you can make sense of my incoherent rambling, <laughs> I love it, Mark. That's why we're such a good team. We work, I we're love a good that. team. We're a good team. <laughs> I, 
I, I want to, I think I want to end it there other than to just say that whenever we read stuff like that, like uh, with God's wrath and uh, punishment mm. of all people and stuff, that of course we should see that as, um, as symbolic and, you know, and a, a part of the, the culture, because I do think that right. uh, and a part of the commentary of what was, was happening in the story and not something that God actually does a wrathful, vengeful, uh, mm. sinners in the hands of an angry God kind of stuff right. is terrible theology. And I think uh, not consistent with God in, in any way, but I want to, I want to leave it right there, Mark, with the way that you tied that up so cleanly. <laughs> uh, we're going to end this segment and we're going to move into uh, our, our last segment, one of our favorite segments, the make me look stupid segment. Stick around, join us for that. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You've joined us for our Make Me Look Stupid segment. We frequently say that is our favorite segment. And, you know, it is. All of them are our favorite segment. It's like choosing your favorite kid. And honestly, it's not, though, because we get to make the other person look stupid. It's more that we let, get to let our curiosities uh, run amok and ask each other questions that are interesting, that we felt like could be engaged and maybe didn't fit into our other segments. And I'm gonna kick us off with one of those questions. It's a very simple, very straightforward question. Is OJ alive or dead? Okay, so um, it never occurred to me that he might be dead. So <laughs> I'm, he was, I'm just- Think about it. He was <laughs> off in the distance, past the entrance, and and there was smoke. He was turned away, like you were just getting the the image of him, like it was almost exactly the image of the film strip of him sitting on the horse and in the profile position of the horse. And there was smoke constantly, dust and smoke that were running over him. You never got a clean image of him. Let me say, if if OJ's dead, I don't think Jordan Peele pulled it off. I don't, I, I don't, if, if he was supposed to be dead, I don't think Jordan Peele did that in a way right. where that could be significant to the plot in any way. Yeah. So I yeah. think he's alive and uh, it, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's dead. Uh, okay. What do you, I what, no, I, I what agree do you think? With you. I, I want to hear I more about this theory though. I like I, it. I don't, I, I actually don't think he's dead. When I saw the way it was presented, the fact that he didn't come to his sister, yeah. I was like, and he was kind of in the background through hazy. Yeah. I was like, that's what you would do. Like if she was having a memory or kind of like wishing he was there kind of thing. But then I went back and started thinking about it. Yeah. In, unless I miss my guess, unlike particularly in early horror films where people, who were black or brown skin tend to be the people who would die. I think the only people who died in this movie were white skinned people, which I kind of love the reversal here. Think other about than it. other than Jupe. Oh, that's true. Jupe did ultimately. I forgot that he actually did get taken by the 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 the, the, the jean jacket monster. In my in my head, I, I thought he was still around and, and still survived, but maybe not then. But that was part of why I was like, no, nah, he had to have survived because it would have broken up the whole scheme. But ultimately, I do think that he survived. I, th I, I think. Uh, oh, 
Mark, unless Jupe also was dead, uh, <laughs> what if Jupe <laughs> died during In the, the monkeys? The chimps, yes, during the attack, he actually died. <laughs> and and Jupe was also dead. I think there's far too many people who interacted with him. I appreciate you trying to trying to rescue that I'm, for me, but. I don't think that that's the case, unfortunately. I just don't think that that's the case. I'm with you. I think he didn't pull it off. If it was supposed to be, maybe he could be dead. Uh, I do think that the reveal should have been a little more emotional. It was weird that it was so distant and that you couldn't really, you didn't see them connect other than kind of a brief kind of staring at each other. Uh, But that was my day. Okay. Your turn to try to make me look stupid. Okay, so I, I don't know that this is going to make you look stupid, but I want your perspective on this, Mark. So yep. the fries guy, Angel, he says, yep. um, there are three types of aliens. Um, the first is intergalactic beings in search of world peace. The second is future humans who are going to stop us from destroying the world. And the third is world killers coming to shove probes up our asses so jean jacket ends up being none of those three types of aliens so mark i'm curious do you think there are some types of of aliens and if so which of those three do you think it's most likely to be uh uh, no i think that there's no way that there are three types or even 10 types or even 50 types Uh, is there one type of human no or is it one type of yeah. nation no so no i found that cu- funny and curious when he said that. i was like well i guess in movies just about there are three types and for me that was like peel doing another one of his commentaries of you know what you guys only make movies about these three kinds of aliens but you know what i'm gonna show you a different kind i'm gonna show you that you can make movies in a different way and about and, and be a little more creative in how you go about approaching it. you don't have to feel formulaic and, and repetition like so many movies do to me that's what was going on there it was peel's little kind of poking <laughs> stick at, at other film uh, uh sci-fi filmmakers who write about aliens so I, I, that was my take what did you think about it yeah so i think i think the idea of, of aliens in general is interesting because you know um one thing that i think is easy for us as human beings to do is to see ourselves as the center of the universe and to realize that we have explored so little of of the universe, which we know is kind of ever expanding. And um, in fact, I saw an article that, you know, uh, in a few billion years, we may not even be able to see lights from the stars because the universe is expanding so so much. So much space. So That's right. So the hubris of us thinking that we are the only living things in the universe is just incredible. <laughs> but, um, uh, but uh, you know, will we will we ever see life from other planets or not? I don't know. But uh, I think the uh, I think the uh, futuristic humans coming to stop us from destroying ourselves is an interesting concept <laughs> because uh, yeah. you know we are kind of always on the verge of killing ourselves either through you know in inducing climate change or through nuclear war or through any kind of other conflicts that we see i think that that human beings seem to have this inability for self-preservation you know that's one of our number one driving biological forces and yet we are always in danger of just 
killing ourselves. And so uh, I think that that is uh, a, an interesting thought about, <laughs> you know, futuristic humans yeah. going back and trying right. to keep us from uh, being so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's bound to happen at some point. If time travel is, is ever possible, I think you'll definitely have the ones that go back to try to change history, uh, some for the better and some for the worse. But uh, and we could geek on more and more about this, but yeah, we kind of run run our show time to the limits now. But we do need to think about what we're going to mm. uh, watch next. Um, I know that I've kind of enjoyed seeing what Peel does. It's 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 unique how he approaches filmmaking. Yeah. Um, don't you think? Yeah, I I really like his stuff too. Um, and yeah. you know, Mark, uh, I've seen Get Out, but yeah. I've never seen Us. Weirdly, uh, I've never either. watched that. Yeah, I you haven't, haven't seen either. No, and next week is we'll be doing the show the day before Halloween. That's another sci-fi horror. Oh, so that should would we watch it? Bad, I think that would be a pretty nice road to go down. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Okay, so next week we'll watch Jordan Peele's us and uh, mark we were chatting before yeah. the show and and you had an idea for a couple weeks out as well yeah i have uh i've actually mapped out uh, uh we usually plan just the day of the show what our next show will be about what? uh well pay no attention to the man behind the curtain we just <laughs> ripped the curtain open here but yeah and so this time i had i'm having a, a few days off here and so i thought i had a little time yeah. so i've actually mapped out a, a way for us to go for the next several weeks, uh, actually for the next couple of months. So we're going to be able to let you know what our shows will be like probably at least two shows out. So next week we're going to do us. And then the following week, we're going to do part two of Dune. So if you haven't watched the first part of Dune, it is available online. I believe Dune part two will only be available in theaters at first. The Dune came out during uh, COVID, and so they right. uh, released yeah. it directly to streaming. So make sure that you get a chance to see the original Dune over the next few weeks so that you'll be ready to watch Dune 2 when it hits the theaters uh, in early November. And so that, I think that's a good lineup so far, man. It was be two very exciting shows we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds great. Yeah, and I'm well, excited about us next week. Sounds good. I am too. And I'm continually excited about all the folks who uh, tune in and watch us live, as well as mm -hmm. those who play yes. us back on the podcast. Listen, I say this every time, but it's genuine from the heart. I, I'm so thankful for y'all because we get to do this because you bother to show up to see what two geeks happen to think yes. about pop culture, sci-fi stuff, and theological, political stuff. So we are ever eternally grateful for y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for enjoying our show and supporting us. And so until the next time, Thank you for watching the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus, nobody.